You're listening to War for Idiots, a podcast by idiots for idiots. I know all the words of that song. I know all the words of that song. Sure. <laughs> hey, can I tell you something? Um, no. Yes. Whilst I didn't compose the music, I am the lyricist. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, what I really like is that we now have a uniform. We now have a uniform. Boom! That makes us feel comfortable. We're so lucky to be us. <laughs> you know who you're not lucky to be? Spike. What? Spike Lee. He's unlucky, man. That movie sucked. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, podcast listeners from all of around the world, including the Flatbits, Hello. And welcome back to another episode of the whole world idiots. As always, we're your host. My name is Rich the Nitty Noddy. And I am Mick the I'm on the bottom of the notes. Oh good. We always good. come up. The dizzard. So well, awesome. so well prepared. So well prepared. But the thing is, mate, like people don't need me to use a term like dizzard for idiot because every time they're like does this guy not know how to scroll to the top of the show? show and we are, we are indeed the idiots that you have been looking for. And today, on this episode of War for Idiots, we are talking about cyber security. Oh, nice. Cyber warfare. Cyber warfare. Oh. Yeah, I'm talking about cyber security. Not I keep on saying cyber security. The, cyber warfare. All the vulnerable points I've got here. and all the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sitting on yeah, my computer. I'm surprised, I'm surprised my computer, after this week's uh, looking into this topic, I'm surprised I'm still able to function. The thing is... They've hacked into your computer and they're like, oh, we, we, this was... Yeah, 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 you're yeah, right. They <laughs> hacked in and they're just like, what a waste of time that was. All these Pokemon pictures. Uh, I'm, I mean, you know, for my kids. Um, hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of War for Idiots. It is WFI Friday, uh, and we're very excited to be bringing you, I think it's like episode 15 or something like that yeah, of season two 16. of WFI. Well, it's 16, it's 16 you know. now because I've labelled it 16 on the YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I'll wait and um, And uh, look, we are so happy that we're able to continue doing this season. We're so happy we're able to continue doing the show. Uh, and the only reason we do it, ladies and gents, is because people like Oh, people sorry. like you. So if you're listening to this show, dear listener, please make sure you spread the word. Please make sure you tell your friends. Please make sure you spread everything about WFI on your except, social media. Except don't spread COVID. Except don't spread COVID because that would be very, very bad. Speaking of the COVID and bad things, Mick, how are you going? Oh, mate, I am. Uh, I'm going, what's the, what's the bad thing? Am I the bad thing? Bad uh, is the bad, bad thing? Um, yes. Mate, my COVID week has been all right, actually. We had a bit of a scare here in the ACT, not as bad as Victoria, which has a scare daily at the moment. But um, what that meant was I was uh, looking after kids during school holidays, but uh, my wife had to stay at home and try and work while me and the kids bought new mm. Nerf guns. Oh, my God. That's so bad. I'll tell you what. They are ruthless. Yeah. Yeah, like hostage situation. They, yep, yeah, no, no there bond. Is no, there. That is no <laughs> it's like, I'll shoot you both. Okay, cool. So yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm pretty good. A few questions about some of my kids' morality, but yeah, pretty good. What about yourself? <laughs> good, 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 good. We went camping. It was freezing camping just outside of Canberra, um, and surprisingly, we had the entire campsite. To- ourselves because no one else was crazy enough to go camping in the middle of winter uh but it was good good fun good experience good to get the kids outdoors everything smells of smoke now 
But um, I suppose that's why you do it. Well, no one died, so you're right. No one died. Um, all right. Well, let's get straight into this episode. And before we flick into second gear and talk about cyber war and cyber warfare, we would be remiss not to talk about our good sponsors and suppliers of our currently blue shirt uniforms. <laughs> blue shirt uniforms. Good to go. It's only you on the screen for the first five minutes. So, good. Uh, oh, no, there's me. Good to go gear, G2G. Now, good to go gear is an Australian veteran owned business that has been supporting customers for over a decade. Now, whether you are into military, camping, adventure, workwear, or first aid kit, they have a wide range that is ready to be shipped directly from the internet to your door. All you need to do is check out their catalog, which is changing, growing every single day at www goodtogogear.com.au and get the best gear. That is trademark G2G. I'm still they, offer, they offer a 30-day 100% satisfaction guarantee and they ship both to the US of A and Australia. So what are you waiting for? Oh, Go yeah. and check out Good To Go Gear. That's G2G gear. Gear that is truly good to go. And after 16 episodes of season two, we finally wear the same T-shirt. <laughs> Slightly awkward, right. but um, right. you know, mate, it is great, mate. I um, and I was rudely interrupted you before. Oh, they've got quick dry pants. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, and they got twenty yep. percent off the quick dry pants at the moment. But I was going to say, the tactical belt. I'm still yeah, just yeah. just quietly in love with it. Particularly, it's awesome. It's awesome. Particularly if you're hanging Nerf accoutrements off it. Accoutrement. Accoutrement. Yeah, so I was at work the other day and I saw someone wearing the long sleeve blue shirts that we are wearing right now, coming back from the gym. Right. Really? First thought was that dude's got my shirt. And I was just, I was about to be like, hey, and I was it. like, oh, wait. I was like, oh, wait, that's everyone. Every, no, people, people have that shirt. And I just went, hey, G to G. And he just went, who is this weirdo? I don't know you. <laughs> I thought we had like a kin- cause I'm not wearing it. He doesn't know anything. He's just assuming that I'm just saying, Hey, G to G. So anyway, if you are out there listening, blue shirt, man, uh, who just went back to the gym, I'm very sorry. <laughs> yeah. The guy that talked to you is the person who convinced you to buy the shirt. So. That's right. That's right. There you go. The uniform is a spreading. Mate, that's All good. Right. Um, it's going to be awkward though, because uh, you know, there'll be, you know, near award-winning shows like us everywhere. Uh, we've got our first, uh, our first viewer who still can't stop speaking Australian when he writes. Uh, I'll deal with him. I'll get it. Uh, do you want to intro the show? So today we are talking about, I thought you had a point. Uh, never no, did no, today. it's just, just Josh has just written scan on, which uh, is Australian for scan on, which yeah. is what's going on. I don't need to explain. Oh, to I you. didn't Australian know that. Our, yeah, That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. It's Australian for what's going on. Scan on. Scanning. I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, well, what's going on is we're talking about cyber warfare today. Uh, cyber warfare is a very, very hot topic, um, if you will. Not um, as hot as nuclear warfare. Let me just start uh, with hey, something that I got yesterday off the internet uh, from... You don't have to laugh, you know. Uh, no. Uh, from a news website, Australia is under sustained cyber attack, warns the government. What's going on and what should businesses do? Let me read this out. Prime Minister Scott Morrison has some alarming news for Australia this morning. We are under cyber attack. He informed the nation the attacks just hadn't just started and that Australian businesses and governments are being widely targeted. 
It is unclear why the government chose today to make the announcement. Uh, I know why. They delivered bad news at lunchtime in the education sector on the same day. So yes, cover yes. up to take the news headline. Sorry, you go on. Or indeed, stop interrupting. Or indeed, what exactly is going on? The attack is described as state-sponsored, which means a foreign government is believed to be behind it. When asked who that might be, Morrison said there is a high threshold for drawing that kind of conclusion, but added there are not a large number of state-based actors that can engage in this type of activity, end quote. This has been interpreted as a coded reference to China, which the Australian government reportedly suspects of being behind the attacks. You would have seen, uh, as of today, uh, there was, or yesterday, there was a huge cyber attack on Twitter, um, over 150 of the top tweeters around the world's accounts were hacked and people were trying to get Bitcoin out of people um, through those. Mm. We'll cover that a little bit later. So this is something that is affecting us every day. This is something that drew a lot of attention when we announced we're talking about it. This is something that's got a lot of people very, very alarmed, very interested and very alert because it's something that is possibly affects everyone, is affecting everyone, but certainly has the potential to affect everyone now and into the future. So let's break it down. I'm very, very fascinated to talk about cyber warfare. So let's start with what is cyber warfare? Very base definition. Okay, according to Wikipedia, cyber warfare is the use of technology to attack a nation causing comparable harm to actual warfare. All right, so there's some sort of correlation there. There so is a machine gun. Say again. Use of technology, like so is a machine gun. So that's true. Brilliant. That's true. That's true. Thank that's Wikipedia. Please don't. Let don't me down again. You and knows everything. Uh, there is significant debate among experts regarding the definition of cyber warfare and even if such a thing exists. Now, another definition uh, from Rand Corporation, cyber warfare. Cyber warfare involves the actions by a nation state or international organization to attack and attempt to damage another nation's computers or information networks through, for example, computer viruses, denial of services attacks. RAND research provides recommendations for military and civilian decision makers on the methods of defending against the damaging effects of cyber warfare on a nation's digital infrastructure. Um, so I like, I like that RAND one. That's, that's pretty good. I do like the RAND crew here in Australia. So, yeah. So, you know, you look into this stuff and it's pretty big. I, I did a lot of sort of searching around cyber attacks, cyber, cyber, cyber. Um, I, I stumbled across outpost24.com that has a, a quick article on the top 10 uh, of the world's biggest cyber attacks. Now, granted, these aren't state-sponsored. Well, they could have been state-sponsored, but they're not against certain states per se, but against large corporations and large companies. Um, and they, you know, they involve the loss of passwords, loss of personal information, banking details. But in essence, they, they equate to the loss of billions and billions and billions of dollars, um, which is a, a, an interesting aspect of cyber. Uh, it's one that we perhaps hadn't sort of stumbled across before in the concept of what is war and what is warfare. Um, the, the commercial aspects of cyber as well as hacking um, and that sort of stuff, which, is, which doesn't really come up when you're talking about nuclear or um, electronic warfare or whatnot. So something we'll stumble across a little later. But when I think about cyber warfare, Mick, I have a very specific image in my head. Um, tell me if you have the same. 
Yes. It's of someone in a very dark room. Someone that's extremely smart. Someone that has a funky haircut, to be honest, right? Um, someone that's typing furiously. In my bedroom at nine? someone's like typing typing crazy hacking a system and there's so much things happening on their screen right and they're taking over the system um and they're opening doors they're controlling street lights you know they're they're very much the the man or woman behind the computer that's supporting a spy you know this is what i imagine hackers you know and, and cyber warfare to be and and if you type in cyber warfare and look at the imagery this is what you get um, yeah. i saw one image of a dude i've got an example for you actually I saw, yeah, just bring it up. Yeah, keep going. I saw one image of someone hacking um, and they're wearing leather gloves, like because that makes you a better cyber warfare soldier, if you will, um, by wearing the gloves. But uh, that, that's a very specific image. Oh, what's that? <laughs> Is that? McCook, cyber warrior. <laughs> Yes, that is, that is exactly, exactly what I can't uh, tell if the I stuff imagine. behind me is moving or not. Like it was supposed it's to move. Moving. It's definitely not moving. Uh, thanks, Zoom. You did it again. Um, uh, but what do you, yeah, that's what, what do you, you think, right? That's what you think when you think Cyber Warrior, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I, I still think maybe that's what it is. But that's a very image that, you know, that's an image I have in my head when, when I think about it. But I think the reality is, it, you know, it's much more... Half the time it's just someone calling you up on the phone and saying, oh, hi, it's Bill. Can I have your internet password? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> going, yeah, yeah. yeah sure, I know a Bill. Yes. My internet password is password one, two, three. Well, one thing when we started looking at cyber, um, it made me think about this movie that I watched when I was a kid. Now, oh, this, this, movie, movie, this movie was a movie called Hackers. Do you remember the movie Hackers? It had Lara no, Croft and Sherlock Holmes in it. 1995, Johnny Lee Miller, Angelina Jolie, a star-studded cast. Actually, they're probably the only stars. Um, yeah. it's, it's, let me just quickly read it here. Hackers is a 1995 American crime film. The film follows a group of high school hackers and their involvement in a corporate extortion conspiracy. <laughs> Made in the mid-1990s when the internet was unfamiliar to the general pop uh, population, it reflects the ideals laid out. Uh, in this book by hack, uh, by the Hacker Manifesto, which is quoted in the film, what I what what made me think about um, hackers the movie is not so much uh, you know the, the movie was a pretty lame movie to be honest with you, uh, but the fact that it was the first one of the first movies that had addressed this concept of hacking, and I don't know if you remember, but I think Hackers itself, the website for the movie was one of the most hacked websites on the internet and continues to be one of the most hacked websites on the internet. And I'll put up in the, in the show notes, some of the screenshots from the hackers website. Now I'm pretty sure my computer is compromised from going to this website, right? But it's been, it's been hacked to death by, uh, a, a hacking group called DEFCON. Um, and this is what they, this is sort of what they wrote about it. Um, hackers, this is going to be a lame, cheesy promotional site for a movie. Nothing more. We're not out to become experts in hacking or forward your hacks to the FBI. Just looking forward for interesting scenarios to help us make money off other people. Hackers. And then it just talks about how crappy this movie actually is. <laughs> Hackers, the new action movie from those idiots in Hollywood. Take you inside a world where there's no plot or creative thought. There's only boring rehashed ideas. <laughs> and it just goes on and on and on. And, and, and I just wanted to, I wanted to bring that up because that was what I had in my mind of that's hacking, that's cyber warfare. And, and, and in many ways, what we're going to go through now is that it's actually not too far from the truth of 
where we are in cyber warfare has its roots in the mid nineties concept of hacking, getting something, changing something and doing something like, you know, one of the most hacked websites in the world, the hackers promotional website for the movie. So that, that's a bit of the, uh, the introduction to what we're going to talk about today. Um, how say you Mick Cook about hacking? Mate, I, um, so I did a lot, I've done a lot of research on, uh, I wouldn't call it cyber warfare, but computer, um, computer assisted, uh, operations. That's why I love to call it because I hate the term cyber, but I remember being a staff officer and having, uh, in planning groups when people would say to me, Hey, uh, you're the information operations dude. We need you to do something with computers and make this happen tomorrow. And I'm like, um, I don't think that's how it works. And they're yeah. like, yeah, it is like this. And then they'd explain what they'd seen in a movie to me. And I'd be like, like control oh. the street lights, Mick. I'll be like, I'm not a computer guy. And they'd say, well, can you get a computer guy in here to tell us that? And then I'd bring in like a computer person. I'm like on the walk into the playing room. I'd be like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, mate, look, I, I, I love, um, I love the pop culture around it though. Like it's really good. But what I find even more fascinating is the history of, the computer, uh, the history of um, hacking, the history, I think we're going to talk about it later, we probably are, of freaking with phones. Just yep. absolutely fascinating. There's yep. a great book by a guy named, um, what's his name? Someone Mitnick. Um, and he, he, he went to jail a lot for freaking hacks. And, um, you know, when you learn about social engineering and, and, and the aspect the human has in cyber warfare, absolutely fascinating. And, of course, that's right. In my day job, I work with a lot of uh, smart academics in the cyber security world, and mate, one brain blown every time I talk to them. I sort of just walk away yeah. and just go, I never want to touch a computer again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the most interesting part about cyber warfare is not where cyber warfare is now, because that's pretty straightforward where it is now, and, and the potential of it is limitless, and we'll get there. Um, but its background, its context, and where it came from, that's interesting. And that's what we're going to talk about. I mean, I think we talked about the nuclear episode, right? Like how we the did. US. US systems are still like 1970s, 1980s missile control systems. And one of the primary reasons is the cyber threat. So it doesn't yeah, get- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's fascinating. All right. So let's start talk about the history of hacking. Now, quite a difficult thing to find uh, on the internet because there's many, many sort of arguments about where it started, what's the first hack, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the you know, read, read, read fairly widely to get to some concise information, which we're going to present to you tonight. And our story about hacking begins uh, when the universe was created. So there was a big bang. Now we're going to fast forward the story a little bit to 1960. So 1960 in MIT, which is the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, quite a popular uh, place referred to a lot. Now the term hack apparently comes from MIT students in the 60s who were looking to push the boundaries through curious uh, fiddling uh, of uh, tinkering with things of trying to make things better. And the first thing that the MIT students back in the sixties hacked was believe it or not, their high tech rail toy railway trains. Okay. They were hacking them to improve the speed and to improve the, the rudimentary controls, et cetera, et cetera. This is the, the, the origins of the hack. Turns out it was still just a lame toy anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then little did I know in 2020, everyone loves toy model trains. No, no. So, and eventually this concept of hacking in MIT spread to computers, specifically the IBM 704. So the IBM 704 was the first 
mainstream computer of which hackers were able to you know, boldly go where, where no hacker had gone before. Introduced in 1954, the IBM 704 is the first mass-produced computer with a floating point arithmetic hardware, which Mick, you know, you knew that, uh, obviously. Yeah, actually, um, there's a book on it called The Innovators. You should read but it. But for, for the younger listeners out there who this is going to, I mean, compared to how old we are, this, this stuff is ancient. Yeah. If you look at, I was trying to just, just, to try to look at comparable memory, just so we can say, oh, this had, you know, three bit of RAM versus gigabytes. When I looked up memory for the IBM 704, I came across, this is the memory. The controls for the 704 were, one, a 711 punch card reader, a 716 alphabet, uh, alphabetic printer, a 721 punch card recorder, and a 727 magnetic tape units, and 1753 tape control unit. It's just stuff that you're just like, what the hell are they talking about? Punch cards and, yeah, and I mean, tape? Mate, the but, punch cards, uh, like one of the first inventors of, like a, of a computer who didn't quite get there, he, he was an engineer who didn't know how to, how to uh, optimize the punch card function on his combined transistor and mechanical computer. Yeah, and so he, yeah. he could have been one of the first inventors of like a cheaper version, right? But he didn't know how to, it was the material in the punch cards. He couldn't get it so that his punch card reader could burn through it quick enough. And yeah. you're like, wait a minute, a dude didn't know how to burn holes properly. So the, yeah. his computer didn't work. It's, I, it's, I, it's I, does not compute. Yeah. It's not very good. Very good. It does not compute. Um, and then yeah. they, so they, they were tinkering with the 704 and then they eventually came up with, came up with the Unix, the Unix, U-N-I-X operating system. So the Unix is a family of multitasking, multi-user computer operating systems that derived their, uh, from the original AT&T Unix um, developed in the starting in the 1970s. And this system was a game changer, if you will, it would evolve to many, many further evolutions of it, but it's the birth of the operating system. So they were managed to get this concept of a computer and people were tinkering, people were hacking with it, people were making better and they invented things like the Unix, which was an operating system. Um, and then as you described in the seventies, the next evolution of hackers were what was known as the freakers. Now, do you remember enough about the freakers to talk about them? Yeah, I could talk a little bit about freakers. The freakers were people that um, basically hacked and this is going to, this is going to blow the mind brain of a lot of young people. It really is. It really is. Because <laughs> I remember it. Like I, I grew up in a state where uh, our long distance phone calls were like anything over 20 Ks. Yeah. Um, but um, so the, the freakers used uh, tones, like um, frequencies, uh, to trick the phone telecommunication system into thinking that they were authorized for long distance phone calls. Yep. Um, and they did it for shits and giggles. And one of them, and uh, you may even have it here. There's something about a, um, a toy. Uh, yep, yeah, yep. a toy whistle found in a cereal box. Um, yep. they, they worked out that it actually created the exact frequency. And that's what that book Mitnick I was talking to about. That's what he did a lot of. He used tones to hack into computer systems on the old dial right. and stuff. They're just, these people just wanted to mess with like the telcos. And at, at the Absolutely. time, it was pretty much dominated by um, Bell anyway. So, yeah. and, that, and, and that's exactly it. The, the, I, I think it, was, it wasn't a Weet-Bix because it was in America, but it was some sort of toy whistle that emitted the, the right frequency to get free uh, long-distance phone calls. I mean, talk about pressure to a phone call. Hey, I'm getting this for free. We, let, let's talk sort of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, these were, these, but these were freakers. And two famous freakers... Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, who would go on to be the founders of Apple. Oh, but it's fascinating to talk about this because, you know, people may be listening to this and be going, what the hell does freakers have to do with cyber warfare? 
But, but what we have is something sophisticated for the 70s, long-distance yep. phone calls, tones, and all that sort of stuff, being hacked by whistle from a cereal box. Now, I'm not saying a whistle from a cereal box is going to hack, you know, the, the latest security system in the Israeli missile defense system. But this, is, but this is the type of thing that we're talking about now, that, that the, the, it's the large structure, large machines that are so complicated, but they're, they're just finding the little, little chinks in the armor that they're able to get through. And, um, you know, this is, you know, it can be, and this almost use the term analog, like it's, and actually, I can't pronounce it anyway. But it is similar to like what these guys were. They were just young, smart people who found a toy, and we're yeah, like, we exactly. can do, we can we can attack technology this way. Exactly. Just, don't, we don't have as much of that. Like we don't have as much hardware um, interested young people. But what we do have is very very technologically literate people. Absolutely. So you know, who's to say someone's not going to use Candy Crush to take down? A power station. In yeah. fact, that's a challenge. Someone use it. No, don't. Do not. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Not not state sponsored. WFI sponsored attack. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just I just I'll I, you nothing. <laughs> I want to be a fly in the wall of the guy that first tried. He's got his phone. He's pulled out his, his whistle, and someone's like, "What the hell are you doing?" He's like, "Look, I gotta try it. I gotta try it." Like there are sometimes like I would never want to be around for the first. So the first human to work out that cow's milk was good. Like, yeah, I didn't yeah. want to be there. Don't want to be there. Yeah. Don't want to know what, what was yeah. happening. Yeah, but yeah. the first person to work out this, I just want me in the room and just go, dude, what what you what you yeah. that's not <laughs> what, that's not what that's for. That's <laughs> not what that's for. That's, that's a whistle. Go annoy some dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. And in the seventies, uh, we would see what, what is commonly referred to as the first computer virus, which is known as the Creeper system. It was an experimental self-replicating virus that was released in 1971. And it was filling up the hard drive until the computer could no longer operate it. It was created by BBN Technologies in the US. So the 70s was a real era of birth for hacking things as well as the growth of pcs the growth of unix and things start to get a little bit more complicated and then in the 80s things really boomed due to ibm releasing the pc so the 80s is when the pc was released and then hacking hacking started to become more mainstream now the reason for this dramatic increase in computer use was because of ibm in 1981 ibm announced personal computers or the PC. It was a standalone machine, fully loaded with the CPU, software, memories, utility, storage. You could go anywhere and do anything with these computers. Um, and then obviously, as computers started to grow and grow and grow, well, so did to the amount of people using it. They started to become more interconnected. And then people started to realize that, wow, I've got a connection to something else outside of this immediate space that I'm in. I wonder if I can get through that connection. Yeah. Now, it's hard for us to imagine how widespread the internet was in the 80s. It, it, you know, it's hard for me to visualize because I was pretty young back then. And I wasn't yeah, but it was invented in like the 60s. Right, right. So the, the internet itself has been around for quite a long time. But wasn't in the 80s, called it, but yeah, but in the 80s when it started to expand, right? It, it started to get massive. So in 1982, you, you get the introduction of 
the term TCP and internet protocol, IP, IP address, et cetera, et cetera. That comes from 1982. 1983, you get domain names such as .edu, .gov, .com, .mil, .org, .net, um, for the naming of websites instead of just numbers, which they were before 1983. This blew my mind. I did not think that this, this happened in the 80s. I thought this was like 90s stuff, but obviously uh, there you go. Uh, interesting, you get the first use of the term cyberspace in 1984 by William Gibson. Matt, have you read that book? No, Neuromancer. No, I have not read that book. It is. like It's a cyberpunk book. You read it now, you just go, mind, brain, blind. It's oh, really? Cool. Yeah, brilliant book. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and yeah, cyber. There you go. It's done. It's, it's just, you just go, wow, like a lot of the stuff that he talks about didn't quite play out. But it's like a lot of that, you know, 1980s sci-fi, right? Like, you know, Blade Runner didn't happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but there's still some really cool stuff. And you sit there and just go, like, what he predicted about hacking and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. I want to read it for sure. That's down on the read list oh, now. I'll lend you my copy, man. Um, and then the number, the number of hosts on the internet in 1987 exceeds 20,000 people or computers people with computers um, and Cisco ships their first router. And finally in 1989 world.std.com becomes the first commercial provider of dial up across to access to the internet. So in the eighties, there was a massive boom in the internet. And some of that stuff sort of really blew my mind when I read it. I was like, Oh my God, I thought this was like 90s stuff. This, Cause this kind of stuff felt like it sort of came up when I was a kid, but no, 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 no. It came up. There's, there's no much. interest to drive it in the sixties and seventies apart from universities using the network to share right. computing power. PCs, so it could have been earlier, everything's right? connected. Could could have been been earlier. It wasn't for like Steve jobs, uh, you know, driving the personal computer revolution, uh, Bill Gates, uh, driving Microsoft, um, you know, those sorts of, you know, there's a reason that, you know, their companies are so successful is because they actually saw the use of the computer in a completely different way. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so well, fascinating this stuff because I can't tell you how any of it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then something happens in around 19, in, in the 1980s, which a lot of people sort of attribute to the growth of hacking and the growth of cyber warfare. And that is a movie, which I've not seen, called war games you've not so seen war war games. Games. i haven't seen war games so war games is a 1983 american cold war science fiction film written by lawrence lasker and walter f parks um directed by john badman the movie stars matthew broderick um, in it uh, what is it about high school student david lightman played by matthew broderick unwittingly hacks into a military supercomputer while searching for a new video game after starting a game of global thermonuclear war lightman leads the supercomputer to activate the nation's nuclear arsenal in response to his simulated threat it's got 7.1 out of 10 on imdb and it's got i mean it's certified fresh on rotten tomatoes at 93 percent. so it must be a pretty good movie it's a good movie man and um it's got uh, Ali Sheedy in it as well. Yes, it does. From The Breakfast Club. Oh, there you go. Um, another yeah. movie I have not seen. Um, not the, no, I haven't seen The Breakfast Club. It's not going to happen. Forget about not me. Happen. Not interested. Mate, it's not a romance movie. Like, like heaps of dudes uh, are just like, oh, it's John Hughes. I'm not going to watch it. Mate, I'm pretty sure it's I don't know who John Hughes is. I don't know who John Hughes is. We're, we're, we're talking about different movies, girlfriend. Um, but look, we are not talking like, oh, The reason okay, why I bring this up... The reason why I bring this up is because the concept of hacking 
was already there. But War Games was one of the first hints on the mainstream, and this is 1983, on the mainstream of the innocent hacker at home having access to something that could affect another nation's national security. In this instance, it was this teenager played by... Old phone modem where you plug... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Played by Matthew Broderick, who had access to, you know, essentially escalate the Cold War into a thermonuclear conflict. He's just trying to play tic-tac-toe with a computer. That's all he's trying to do. Yeah, but it it, it was the realm of possibility. And, you know, as you mentioned with the the, uh, movie, sorry, the book before Neuromancer, as we talked about many sort of fictional... Uh, before they're, they're a hint of the future. They're a hint of what could be a reality. They're just imagination. And this one, you know, links to reality because what we'll see in only a couple of years time is this becoming a possibility. And this is a possibility that we live with to this day. So that movie is, is, you know, when you look around cyber, the history of cyber, et cetera, et cetera, war games comes up a lot because I think it motivated a lot of people to the potential of what hacking could be and the transcendence of hacking into cyber, cyber war, cyber warfare. All right. Now speaking about hacking and war and movies, um, (laughs) movies, Just want to send a little love to our next sponsor at the Extra Specialist Group. And if they do have a movie about cybers coming out. We're in. We're so in. Because we can do that from home, right? Yep. So since 2017, Extra Specialists have been connecting Australian veterans to the entertainment industry through consultancy, agency, productions, and training. Extra Specialists have been changing the face of television and movies, putting those who served onto the big screen and into your homes. They've worked with the big names, Marvel, Touchstone, Netflix, Stan, and much more. Extra Specialist is the place to go if you want to get into the movie entertainment industry. So if you have Extra Specialist skills, or if you don't and you want to learn some, then reach out to the Extra Specialist group and get started now. Check out their website at www.extraspecialists.com. That's www.extraspecialists.com. Com. These guys are always up to cool things. Follow yep. them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter, follow them on Instagram. Uh, they are linking up with yep. heaps of cool people around the country. Contact doing some them. really cool things. Do the training, get in a movie. That's if you are a veteran and you are near them and you want to get into the entertainment industry, sign up. And if you are not a veteran, but you're interested in that sort of stuff, sign up. They will teach you. They will train you do stunt coordination, explosives, fire guns, all that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, nearly every cyber movie you've seen, has like an action element to it that's completely like i thought this was just about people in computers but you know um die, the die, net is sandra bullock like die hard die hard four four die hard four with the firestorm yeah like amazing amazing yeah it becomes an action film so obviously there's some business in there for extra specialists if they're looking for a cyber warrior yeah massive massive all right Henry, so let's get back to it and <clears throat> what we what we we're now at the threshold, I think. And this is the interesting thing about cyber and about hacking is you actually don't get much, much linkages between hacking and cyber. We, we just kind of put that, those two concepts together. But if you look at the history of cyber attack, you won't find much. Now, I was speaking to a friend who has studied cyber and he told me about the first classified cyber attack from the 80s. Okay. That aside, if you look at the pure, what is the history of cyber attacks? What is the first cyber attack? You, you, you struggle to find anything before the year 2003, basically. Yeah, and even then, like the one you're about to mention, there's a lot of people that don't even agree that one. 
Right. You know, right. It's yeah. And, and then the next exactly. one, people are like, no, no, that wasn't. You know, I mean, the one in between that you've got there that we'll talk about. That one, yeah. everyone knows about, right? Because it led yeah. to new law. But uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. And and but to me, the the this connection between hacking, the birth of hacking, the concept of hacking, the innocence of hacking, you know, the, the humble beginnings of it. Um, and then it's eventual evolution to what we were ne- we would now define as cyber warfare, although definition is, is hard to track down. Um, that's fascinating. And, and to me, there's a clear, clear, clear connection. Um, you know, without one, the other would not exist. Yeah, that's um, right. If someone improves something in, you know, Alfred Nobel invents dynamite. Yeah doesn't take long for it to start being utilized in different ways that he did not anticipate, right? Yeah, especially that coyote trying to get the roadrunner. Hey, violence. It's not cool. <laughs> violence. All right. So th- I mentioned that because what we have in 1988 is what some consider to be the first cyber attack, okay, by a hacker, right? Um, and this is, he's a famous guy now known as Robert Taper Morris, all right? And he invented what would be, go on to be known as the Morris worm. Now, Morris apparently started in very innocent, very humble reasons for what he did, which, which, which ended up, you know, I, I believe being BS when you look at how it actually spread. Yeah. But apparently he wanted to understand how many devices were connected to his computer. He's like, I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know how many devices were connected to it. So in 1988, he wrote a program. Now, this program would travel from computer to computer and it would ask each computer to send a ping from itself back to a central server, which would keep count of how many pings it received to count how many computers were connected, right? It was called the pingometer. The pingometer, that's the scientific term for it. <laughs> now, the program worked. The program worked too well. And what happened was so many computers, the worm would go, the worm would replicate itself, the worm would ping, all these pings added up. And someone would call this that this was the first distributed of a distribution of denial services, DOD, which is a common cyber attack nowadays because he clogged the internet essentially with his Morris worm. Now, how innocent and how humble were the beginnings? The estimated damages of this vary between two hundred to ten thousand dollars is is how much damage he actually caused um, with the Morris worm, which which you know for War for Idiots uh, production that that's quite a lot, but for for the whole internet that's not too bad. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's what's considered. Two episodes. Right, to be the first cyber attack. And I think it got people thinking. It got people understanding that, wow, um, things can really happen. And then the 90s hit. The 90s hit and the internet just absolutely exploded, right? And with the explosion of the internet, everything, everyone's getting a PC, all the PCs are being connected, and now everyone's hacking. Okay, and the imagination about what hacking is, and then hacking eventually becoming a tool that a state can use as part of statecraft starts to become more in the mainstream. And you mentioned um, the movies before. The first one was Hackers that we mentioned in 1995. This group of young uh, emos, um, super (laughs) hot looking, uh, you know. They, they can go to a telephone and just plug it in and with computers they would have been trying to think and, and then you mentioned a movie that that i every time i think of hacking and i think of cyber warfare i think of this movie the net with sandra Sorry. bullock i remember when i watched it i was just like i want to build a trojan i i watched so i watched an episode i remember this i was i was i was homesick from school one day and i was watching sandra bullock on entertainment tonight and it was sandra bullock promoting the movie the net now this is 1995 this is where we were with the internet they had all these video cameras. That's 
all these video cameras. That was my. It was not the soundboard. Hey, you know she's saying, tell Mick to stop interrupting. <laughs> tell Mick to stop interrupting. Yeah, yeah, tell him to shut up. Um, all these cameras around Sandra Bullock, who was on a PC sending an email. That was it. It was like, what is she doing? Why is she sending an email? What's an email? It's a, it's a mail you can send electronically. Oh my God, Sandra Bullock, tell us about your movie. Well, I'm a movie in the net. It's all about emails. Like, it was fascinating, right? But this, was, this is where the beginnings were but ironically when people like sandra bullock in 1995 were on television showing the world the emails the subculture of hackers had was huge already there was um legions of doom is a, a very popular uh hacking group they were led by lex luther now these guys are pretty nerdy people right so they named themselves after dc comic book characters but lex luther's lex, lamest lex, lex luther's crew were called the legions of doom um any intelligent human being would know <laughs> i didn't know that um okay yeah, and then you, you watch marvel oh my god and then you oh, know the 90s green oh. the 90s the 90s was the 90s was really the start of what we would see over the next 20 years and that's just more and more growing a sophistication of yeah. uh these hacking i the thought you were going to no, no, no. Um, and, 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 then, and then we're entering an age where everyone is familiar with seeing what you would describe as a hacker. You know, the matrix, brrr, lots of things. Yeah, everyone's like, things. about hacking. When you think about this, not much hacking actually done in the matrix. No, there's not. There's not. Now, but Neo is a hacker, isn't he? He is, yeah, yeah. The hackers. Oh, look, they... Josh, just, just, just right. Let's not forget Neo from the matrix was a hacker. There you go. Yeah, yeah, he was a hacker, but they basically just played a computer game where the stakes were really high. Yeah, look, that's a, that's, a, that's a lame way to sum up one of the greatest movies ever made. Um, but what we had over the next 20 years before we, we get into, you know, the full transcendence into cyber warfare is groups, these militant groups that form. Now, Anonymous is a very, very widely known hacker group. Um, you know, they've, they've done a lot of, I've read about Anonymous uh, in the research for this show, doing a lot of Black Lives Matter. Uh, yeah, they're like a social justice hacking group, right? So they yeah, don't yeah, go out yeah. there to cause damage, hurt people, unless you have breached their moral code in some sense. That's right. Like vigilantes. Um, they could almost be cyber Batman. <laughs> it's it. Yeah. Almost. Um, and they wear, they wear masks too. And what you have, as everyone starts to, to get the internet, is people start realizing you can make a lot of money scamming people by hacking as well. So we just have cases and cases and cases of just enormous amounts of money being stolen through hacking. Um, and, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But then there's, there's eventually a time where government sites start to get hacked. Um, and, and people start to realize that, oh, wow, um, they're not, not hacking this to get money. Like, you know, everyone was like, oh, see, you know, they're hacking to get information. And, and that's really when, when the world starts to realize, wow, we are really, really uh, in a lot of trouble. Um, and we have got a lot of issues at stake. And the first one uh, that we speak about uh, is something called Titan Rain. So have you heard of, you would have heard of Titan Rain before? Titan Rain, Titan Rain. It's a song by Prince. Is it? Is that? No. 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 Rain. Oh, I was going to say. I mean, um, uh, yeah, it's like the uh, it was a, it was a Chinese attacks, right? Apparently, oh, oh, apparently. Sorry, yeah, apparently, yeah. right? I'm not. I'm not going to attribute any cyber attacks to anyone apart from the US and Israel. 
Uh-huh. So Titan Rain was a series of coordinated attacks on computer systems in the United States between the years 2003 and 2006. Um, they were known to have been going on for at least these three years. Uh, the attacks originated in Guangdong, China, apparently. An activity is believed to be associated with a state-sponsored advanced persistent threat. Um, it was given the designation Titan Rain by the federal government of the United States. Now, this is this is one of the first documented uh, attacks, apparently state-sponsored attacks on another state that we can find, and it's significant because it absolutely took the Americans, you know, by by surprise. They weren't ready for it. It's they called Titan Rain. Got to say, it took them by storm. It took them by storm. Um, they didn't realize how much of their information was compromised. They didn't We're realize. We're computers now. Yeah, that's right. There was heaps of the, there's massive portions of the Pentagon that were closed down for ages. Um, and you read all the articles, you know, from around this era. And a lot of the articles are like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. We, you know, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but we need to start listening to those nerds because, you know, everyone has just been making fun of them. They're the ones that need to protect us from, from actually what's happening here. So Titan rain was a huge first step in cybersecurity. And I, and I love that we're only talking about what people would classify as cyber now at the end of the show, because to me, that's been the journey to get here because you can quite easily see how we got there over the last 40 years that got us to this point of originally tinkering with punch boxes and, and trains and using the whistle to now states realizing that, Hey, this is a capacity or a capability that I can put together and do something. And I can, you know, and if you look at Titan rain, what are they doing? Stealing information, but more importantly, they're just annoying the hell out of another state closing them down clogging three kings have you seen uh that's three kings where mark Wahlberg's like right at the start he's like are we shooting people it's kind of like 2003 for the u.s it's like are we hacking people are we hacking people now i think so and then you see it roll on um so do you know about the the next one two seven two thousand seven cyber attacks yeah so cyber attacks only were massive mate no um they were in response to the removal of a statue uh, from the yes. Soviet era. And right. so, yeah. I mean, what a crazy time we live in with all this statue statue happenings around the yeah, world right, right like, now. Yeah, but you do that in 2007, someone's going to hack you and it's probably going to be Russia, um, yeah. which also led to, and I'll put the link up or I'll get our, um, our tech support to put up in the YouTube chat. Is <laughs> that, um, <laughs> Classic. The talent manual. Led to the talent you manual. Are, which, uh, you are funny. So Estonia, the capital of Estonia, Tallinn, um, is now where the NATO center of, I've got to get the name right because they could hack me, the, oh, sorry, the NATO Cooperative Cyber Defense Center of Excellence is located and they um, sponsor the Talon Manual, which is the international law applicable to cyber operations. It used to be oh. the national, and the first one was the international law applicable to cyber warfare. In fact, the second version is so cyber, it's called Talon Manual 2.0. Oh, yeah, there you go. Um, and it's about, it's about, it's basically laws of armed conflict then applied to cyber warfare to try and understand, you know, what was Estonia, you know, it's, it's, it, it doesn't dwell on Estonia, but if you're Estonia at the time, your whole country gets shut down, right? Mm. So yeah, do you respond it. with, like, how do you attribute it? And then do you respond with diplomacy, uh, a cyber attack back? Is this enough to warrant a declaration of war? Like, it's just... You know, so that led to the the center of excellence and now has led to the talent manual. So 2007, Russia shutting down Estonia. Essentially, they shut down the country. Um, That's right. People couldn't so happened, contact the government. Big distributed de- denial of service attack. 
it happened in 2007 in April. Um, yep. Websites of Estonian organizations, including parliament, banks, ministries, newspapers, broadcasters. People um, couldn't and this was contact all, the government to find out what was happening. This is all about, it was all about a disagreement with Russia about the relocation of the bronze soldier of Tallinn, uh, which is the statue that was uh, mentioned before by Mick. Um, but this, is, this was a, a huge one. Now, the first one, stealing information. Okay. Um, and then you, this is a steep escalation in what cyber is happening. And to me, there's, there's, there's three evolutions. Let, let's break it down really simply. There's when hacking becomes a cyber attack. Okay. And, and what's the difference between, what's the difference between hack and a cyber attack? It's state sponsored, right? Yeah, yeah. State- yeah. Guy going up to your credit card details isn't cyber attacking you. Right. He's, ha- he's hacking. Okay. But you, you, you aggregate the hackers, you sponsor them, you enable them, they become yeah. a cyber attack, right? Well, and, terrorists, like, you know, what if they're not state sponsored now? Like, right. you know, what's and, that's, and that's a lot of the arguments. People are saying, no, no, it's not, it's not cyber warfare. It's cyber terrorism. That's, that's what yeah. another, another way of saying it. Um, and then the next evolution to me, is when this cyber attack, which is about stealing information, about clogging your system, is when it has a physical, a physical, uh, a physical reaction because of what's happening in this non-physical domain. To me, that that's a really interesting evolution of where cyber attacks is, and this is where we start to see it in in the cyber attacks of 2007 in Estonia, when yep. people couldn't communicate with their government, radio, it's causing huge issues at the yep. state level um, from this attack. And you think about that, the damage that there that was sought was psychological. Yeah. 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 Which is, you know, what are you trying to do in war? You're trying to defeat the opponent's will. Yeah. Uh, well, it depends on, depends on who, how you define it, but you know, generally you're trying to defeat their will. You know, this is, this is a textbook case of how to attack the will of your opponent, as opposed to, you know, they're not sitting there. The, 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 Russia could have rolled tanks across the border if they wanted to. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then the final sort of case study, and to me, the, the last evolution, if you will, is Stuxnet. Okay, Stuxnet is pretty popular. People know about it. Yeah, um, I even wrote a book chapter on it. So <laughs> it's, it's a malicious uh, computer worm, first discovered in 2010, thought to have been developed since 2005, targets the supervisory control and data acquisition, the SCADA systems, and is believed to be responsible for causing substantial damage to the nuclear program of Iran. Although neither country has openly admitted a responsibility, the worm is widely understood to be a cyber weapon built jointly by the United States and Israel. Tell us about Stuxnet, Mick. So Stuxnet uh, was also, um, when, when we say attribution, Stuxnet was supposed to have been um, part of Operation and operational names are interesting, right? So we, the US called an attack against them, Titan Rain. Yeah. Uh, the leak, the the person who came out said, Stuxnet was a US Israel op- operation. We called it Olympic Gold, I think it was. Yeah, right. Like that. Like you're like, dude, why don't you? You don't give your enemy a cool operation name and yourself a lame one. But apart from that, listeners probably aren't interested in that. Although it's pretty funny. Um, so Stuxnet uh, was attacking the SCADA systems um, and, and the way they did it was very, very interesting because what it attacked was the centrifuges that was enriching uh, uranium in Iranian nuclear facilities. Yeah. The really interesting thing about this was it was a closed network. So the important thing about Stuxnet, uh, and well, there's two really, really important things is you still have to go through those old school methods of, of getting this weapon deployed. You have to use people. Uh, whether it was espionage, if it was a plant, or if it was just someone drops a USB in the car park, someone picks yeah, it up yeah. and sticks it in a random computer. Um, but it was also designed to fool 
the technician. So they didn't know that the centrifuges were spinning at um, irregular rates and speeds. The overall operation only ended up damaging about 15%, I think, of the overall production schedule, but it was extremely damaging in terms of understanding what they um, were achieving. Then Saudi Aramco, which is, a, which is an oil company in uh, Saudi Arabia that's also got um, some US money in there, is attacked several months later by a very, very similar mm. virus. And it's, it's, when it was pulled apart, they're like, this is Stuxnet. And this is, this is the important thing about these types of weapons. This is kind of like uh, when um, the Romans developed a javelin where the tip bent so that their enemy couldn't t- grab them and throw them back. Mm. Right? When, you, when you're deploying a cyber weapon, you can't pull it back. So people can get it, understand it, and then redeploy it against you. And that's what happened with Stuxnet. They believed that Iran was able to understand it and then deploy it against yeah, right. Arabia. So it's, it's a fascinating weapon. Um, yeah. It damaged the nuclear program. wasn't massive amounts of damage, but what it signified was huge. Never claimed, you know, there are people who are whistleblowers who are saying it was definitely the United States and Israel. Apparently it took about six months, I think, to develop the whole plan. Yeah. But just, you know, this is state on state cyber attack this is cyber war when people go yeah. cyber warfare this is cyber warfare that's right and and then it, it's the physicality of it that that sort of gets me yeah. you know what i mean it's I mean, no longer I mean, it's a physical system right it's a physical a physical effect that it's having based off something that was created in the non-physical realm that that's what really sort of speaks to me about the, this uh, i'm not going to and i wouldn't say it's far right i would say you know if, if we're doing this war for idiots uh paradigm of the phases of cyber warfare it starts with the hacking phase then state-sponsored attacks then state-sponsored attacks that start in the non-physical and affect the physical realm and then there's another one that i'll go on to um, but to me it's that that third phase that is fascinating to me about stuxnet um, i did hear that potentially it was caused it was a closed network and caused by someone plugging a USB into it yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they had to deploy it into it. So it I think I think there any other way. I think that the the term the hacking or the cyber attack term for that is a drive-by attack. Based on my <laughs> little thing that I saw, I'll go through the different types of cyber attacks in a minute. But I believe that's what it's called, which is kind of cool. Um, and then and and but you're right, it's state on state cyber warfare, yeah. right? But but in a non-declared war. So is it warfare? Is it competition you know and this this case is back to the conversation we're having about gray zone you know what what is it and that's what makes cyber so uh so physical destructive attack this wasn't shutting down your national broadcaster or your banking system this was you know physical you know um you know what if they start letting out uh opening up the sluice gates on dams you know this is the, the same sort of idea of you know as you said affecting a physical environment uh, yeah. from a from a um, from the cyber environment or from cyberspace well what we have you know to me what we have now and and you know there, there'd be a lot of people that would say hey way before now is when we had it but to me the eyes were open that the, there needs to have been and rightly so the birth of a domain the cyber domain you know this this place that's a non-physical domain but it has the ability to be state-sponsored and have physical uh, effects on the battlefield or even in areas that affect the battlefield as you said main grids water supplies in this t- case a nuclear reactor and then yeah. you have the cyber domain 
um, a, a global domain within the information environment consisting of the interdependent networks of information, technology infrastructures, and resident data, including the internet, telecommunications networks, and computer systems. So you have the birth of this domain, if you will. Which is a completely artificial domain, right? Like humans yes. now rely upon this domain to live the way we do. Yes. But it's and not like the land or maritime or air domain. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think domains are bullshit. But, um, oh, wait. I swore. Um, but, you know, um, but it's amazing, right? We've created this domain and it's so essential now to the way most nations operate and Absolutely. people run their lives. I mean, I, I, I've got several devices in front of me they're all connected to the cyber domain somehow yeah and then and then in this fake wfi evolution of or phases of cyber warfare the fourth one i think is when warfare is applied through the cyber domain interlaced with all the other traditional aspects of warfare, traditional domains, through, if you will, a multi-domain battle. Although I hate, you know, the term. I, I find it interesting. Uh, Radio, but it's all domain but, battle recently. They've but, called it all domain operations. It's, yeah. it's it's all domain joint coordinatedly spectacular battle, right? Um, but just just another layer of a state-sponsored war warfare. I think that's the fourth layer of what cyber could be. And I don't think we've seen that yet. Potentially we saw some of it uh, against Russia and the Ukraine, uh, which they yeah. mixed a lot of conventional. Georgia as well. When they went into that, Georgia, they rolled in, they shut down heaps of stuff in exactly, Georgia. Exactly. You know, I mean, and, and you just imagine there, there, I, I wish I, I just only thought of it then. I wish I had the reference to it, but there's a description of some Ukrainian soldiers on the front line um, of when a Russian attack uh, begins. And it is terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying, but it's not terrifying for the reasons that you would think it's terrifying. It's not terrifying because of the bullets and the guns and the armor and all that sorts of stuff that all comes. But yep. what's terrifying is the power goes out. This shuts down. That shuts down. Immediately, all the soldiers in the front line, their phones start to buzz at once. It's text messages they're getting from the Russians. We're yeah. coming for you. You know what I mean? Like, it's just this multi-layered of just assault, assault, assault in the non-physical domain. Even before we start launching bullets and, and missiles at you, this is the, the first layers and the first effects that you're going to feel, which to me, that's this phase four of cyber warfare. And it's yeah. important to understand, you know, phases one, two, and three, which, which we're inventing those phases, they're not real, um, to, to really contextualize how significant and how easy it was to get to phase four. I mean, you know, we did the question before, you know, are we hacking people now? Um, here comes the Russian response. Duh. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone's yeah. like, we should definitely get our cybersecurity um, elements done, you know, and then all of a sudden you get a message from on your computer that says, yes, you should. Yes, you should. You would, yeah. Here are Russia. <laughs> like, you know, Russia has really lent into this, right? Yeah. Um, because they understand the overmatch, right? Because if you actually look at Russia's defense spending, it's comparative to Australia's. Yeah, 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 that's true. Not the US, it's comparative to Australia. So where do they invest? Well, we know, you know, with, with Russian styles of warfare, they've always been very fires dominant, right? They will, they will use maneuver to isolate and then they'll use fires to destroy regardless of whether or not they need to destroy you. They will, they will destroy you. That's what they do. But now they use cyber like fires. Yeah, yeah. Very much. Which, and, which, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, and maneuver elements. Like they don't, they don't think of it in the way that we would... Yeah, we'll go, oh, well, the SIGs can deal with cyber while the infantry deal with isolating the enemy and then the artillery will be there to support it when we need to. 
it's like, no, no, no. The one guy goes, I'm going to use my cyber here. I'm then going to use my artillery here. You know, the way they think about it is far more connected. Yeah. And what you have now is a world of types of cyber attacks, a flat earth world of the types of cyber attacks that are open to a state. And I'll go through them and and I won't lie to you. I don't understand the vast majority of them, Um, but there's, there's people out there that will. Uh, fishing, which which we've heard about, radio, uh, whale fishing, spear fishing, farming, spelt with a PH, uh, which is yep. something that we're open to. Man in the middle attack, uh, not Malcolm in the middle, which is a great show. Man in the middle attack, session hijacking, IP spoofing, replay are some of the abilities of that. And an offshoot of that is called SQL injection threat, which I tried to read up about, to try to learn about didn't do it in time it's it's really? it's, it's pretty interesting yeah, sql it's just a database it's attacking the database so sql is a type of database you put the you put the attack or the exploit into the database then when they access the database they write it in why do you know so much about this Nick? <laughs> <laughs> um, well i i wasn't going to reveal it on the show but uh, there's something i've got to oh no <laughs> uh oh <laughs> Yeah, I've overused that background. I wonder oh, how man, it's <laughs> terrible. Um, the dis- distributed denial of services attack, cross-site scripting, password attack, AI-powered attacks. I spent a whole couple of hours this week reading about botnet. A botnet is a number of internet-connected devices, each of which is running one or more bots. Botnets can be used to perform distributed denial of services attacks, steal data, send spam, and allows the attacker to access the device and its connection. Um, I, I, I just fascinating, Radio. Um, eavesdropping attacks, drive-by attacks that we spoke about before, and ransomware attacks. There's, there's just so many. Botnets different- are kind of like when you jump on Call of Duty or... Um, or um, you know, cow struggle or something. You, you go, I'll just play. I'll practice with bots, and you know, you got you got little computer dudes helping you out. That's yeah, basically a bot attack. Right? Like that's our right. version of what it is, right? Like they yeah. help you attack what you're going for. Well, and, and and so leads me to my next thought. And you know, when I when I was thinking about where we're at, the next thought is where are we going with this? And the 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 mind boggles where this could potentially go, especially, you know, we did the episode on space. machine learning and artificial intelligence and could absolutely go into space. Yeah. Um, the hacking of satellites is absolutely something that is, you know, a prevalent threat that currently exists out there. Um, recent announcement, you know, you covered on the other show of Australia increasing its ability yeah. to not only have its own satellites, so it cannot be hacked and we can use it uh, in, in extremist circumstances as well. Um, but, you know, the future, you know, the future soldier might be, you know, but when we think of the future AI soldier, we think Terminator, Terminator Two, walking up with a machine gun. But potentially, realistically, the future soldier could be a botnet that just controls yeah. the information domain, controls the cyber domain, and that's the first line of sort of attack and defense that we have is going to be through AI within this domain. That could be a very real um, sort of thing, um, yeah. and then more transcendence from the non-physical to the physical. I couldn't remember it and I couldn't be bothered going back and looking War Machine. Was it, was it War Machine? The guy who wrote the book that War Machine was- Ah, right, yes. His car computer- uh, Yes, yes, yes. Died. Yes. People people are like, he got hacked because he wrote the nasty stuff about um, a crystal. That's right. Right, because I remember I was like- We don't don't suggest he did, but don't fuck with Jay Sork. Yes, that's right. We covered it in season one. Yeah, yeah, the, guy right. that, the guy that wrote the book, um, yeah, it, the uh, his car lost control, um, suddenly crashed, 
no one knows what happened, but people suggest it was hacked. And I, and I, I Googled, can you hack and kill someone in a car? And I'm pretty sure I have a lot of people <laughs> monitoring. I'm <laughs> really going to teach you how to use Tor browser and DuckDuckGo. So oh, man, so bad. Anonymously so, so bad. that you don't get attacked. And in this week, you know, it, it was really strange. It could have been the AI in my computer, but as soon as I spent the whole week looking into uh, this, my, my, my social media feeds were flooded, flooded with cyber, 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 cyber. He has headphones on and he listens to everyone, listens to everything. everything. And then he just does this. Mm. <laughs> That's right. Um, but the, the biggest hack of the week is everyone would have seen it on Twitter. Uh, US oh. Twitter accounts hacked in the Bitcoin scam. If you haven't seen this, um, check it out. It's fascinating. Billionaires, hey, Elon Musk. thousand dollars. <laughs> Billionaires Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates were among many prominent US figures targeted by hackers on Twitter, including Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, um, and also Barack Obama. Uh, Their account simply stated, or their tweet simply stated, everyone is asking me to give back. Um, This is a tweet from Mr. Gates. You send me $1,000 worth of Bitcoin, I will send you back $2,000 worth of Bitcoin. Um, God only knows how much money those hackers or are they hackers or uh, was this a cyber attack who knows but god only knows how much money they made from this Um, because people would have done it surely people would have done it and mate think about it think of the accounts they hacked elon musk they had like you know if you're a blue tick account you you're up for grabs right yeah they had they and, and you think of what's happened in terms of international relations in response to President Trump's tweets, right? Now yeah. notice I saw someone put on Twitter, no one, you know, none of the Trump accounts were hacked because they know they'd never give back, right? So yeah, funny. But these these hackers had the control of the world in a way, you know, perceptions. They had yeah. control of the world's perceptions. And they're all like, you know, what what I, I can I can I can start a war, I can you know, I can bankrupt a country. What am I going to do? Uh, I got to get paid. I'm going to do a Bitcoin scam. Yep. Like, glad they don't have much vision, personally. <laughs> like, yep. I'm glad they're only interested in self-enrichment. I do think, um, I know the FBI is still investigating, but I saw something saying that, again, the human factor, social engineering, they managed to turn an employee at Twitter to help read that. execute read it. That. Yeah. Um, so just, just with scams, uh, just uh, because we should, really do safety warnings uh, at the end of these because that's what professional broadcasters do and we're trying so hard to be professional. <laughs> who I was going to say, who are they? Um, I've, uh, I've put the scamwatch.gov.au link up. So for those listeners that don't browse my LinkedIn, um, I'm a criminologist and I focus on online scams. Uh, so it is up there. It's a great resource. It will tell you the current scams. And I know lots of our listeners are Australian. The current scams that are online scams in Australia, go to scamwatch.gov.au and it'll stop you falling for these because the only way that you won't fall for these is by applying some skepticism based on some education. That's it. Don't lose $1,000 in Bitcoin like I did. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's it's, it's a new world. It, it really is a new world. And, and we, we covered this a lot. And they're old in, scams in the, with new technology. Like we covered wallet, this a lot. Wallet in inspector. The, Did you see that? Did you see the, the Simpsons episode? No. Where, where no. Snake comes up to like Homer's college nerd friends and says, uh, I'm the wallet inspector. I need to check that your wallets are in order. They give him their wallets. He's like, <laughs> takes off. And then Homer goes, that's not the wallet inspector. <laughs> like that is, that's what these people did with the, with the, with the Bitcoin scam. Yeah, that's you true. Know, they're old gags or scams yeah. in new technology. Just wait and see how scary it's going to be when it escalates. Right. 
Absolutely. Um, and look, it's, it's, it's really a brave new world, another amazing book. Um, and the, the sophistication and what these people are doing through these is just astronomical and the state sponsorship behind it is astronomical. And we covered a lot of this with um, gray zone tactics. Um, and I think we'll cover a lot. We're going to do information warfare uh, soon, um, but just the use of this information, the use of misinformation, it's not, you know, we look at this and, and as you said, mate, oh, it's just people making money. That's great. But imagine if they're doing this for other reasons, you know, what yeah. other things happened as a result of this? What does it mean that they hacked all these other accounts, but they didn't hack Trump's, which they clearly had access to and they could have, they want to, yeah. was that by design or was that just happened? Did they just happen to not do it? You did not want to bring the heat, right? Like, yeah. So look, it, it's everything is up for grabs. You know, we got on Twitter, someone tagged us uh, on, a, on a great article about deep fakes um, and, oh, yeah. you know, absolutely creating just people who are not real, who have a social presence, who have a life online, who are spreading what the people behind them, the puppets, if you will, want them to spread that. That happened so much and so much. And, you know, the 2016 elections are, in America are a great example of deep fakes, misinformation to create division for one reason but who else who knows what the second and third order effects that these people are trying to do uh through the internet and i don't think as a you know as a civilian as a as a nation or as even a world we are ready for what the cyber world and cyber warfare is going to bring to us um and i think covid's proven that (laughs) (laughs) on them like the deep fakes and the i mean i saw one um maria a great friend of the show um I didn't, I didn't attack the term on Twitter because people use it all the time, but people saying, oh, you know, the weaponization of health information, but it's, you know, it's the disinformation. It's, it's, it's the misuse of information. You're not weaponizing the information, right? But you're, you're using it, uh, using it and putting it out there with deep fakes. Um, some of these scams, people are taking advantage of the current crisis, right? Of the pandemic. And they're using like all these, all these, tricks from this bag that people are just like we know nothing about it or the people who do know and i'm sure i'm sure there are people who have like you know government clearances like where they have to you know use their hand and their retina and then they pull the hair out and stick that into a machine and then they get access into the computer room and then there's like an open back door um but there are probably people that door. <laughs> there's probably people who know a lot more about that sort of stuff and are like you know these guys are talking idiots but that's how that's what we do but it's still pretty scary, right? When you think about it, there are, there's an aspect of warfare out there where it's internationally recognised. People are going to use it during a pandemic. Like no one is really pushing too hard during the pandemic. I mean, there's still conflict going on in the world, right? Um, India and China is a good example of people taking advantage of people around. There's far more cyber conflict just raging constantly and you know as you said ai and and machine learning is just going to make it worse yeah all right well on that cheery note um that is the end of the episode certainly is not the end of cyber warfare uh for all those people that were interested in this episode tell us what you think sorry um we're sorry uh you know there are people who are much more informed about cyber warfare we're much more interested about how cyber warfare fits into the wider spectrum of war the wider spectrum of warfare and the context that surrounds um cyber warfare especially the history of it is something that fascinates us um and uh and it's something that is it's thoroughly interesting it's thoroughly interesting so don't be the man in the middle um don't do it in the middle 
don't be a drive-by attack. I'm just going off the cyber terms. Um, yeah, person in the middle. Person in the middle. You know what? I'm going to write to anonymous about that. Isn't an anonymous <laughs> one? Is it? I don't know. I don't know. You know, you could do, uh, ladies and gents, just jump onto the UNSW Canberra cyber website. We've got heaps of information on there for you. <laughs> um, but that is our take on cyber warfare. Mick, have you got any final words to wrap us up? Uh, great topic, man. Really, really good topic. Um, I, I invented cyber warfare. For <laughs> I think so. Purposes of William Gibson actually credits you in uh, in um, in your answer, and he says, "Look, I know Rich was only born a year ago, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, yeah. and the, this this book was written two years ago, but uh, one day, he came one, up day. Um, one day, but uh, look, uh, I think cyber warfare, everything from hacking." Just the invention of computers, fascinating. The fact that the world's first computer programmer was around before the world's first computer, Ada Lovelace. Um, mm. that. Um, but, you know, the history of the computer, The Innovators is a great book by Walter uh, Jacobson. I think that's his name. I think so. Um, mm. Great book, The Innovators. Read it. It's about the digital age. And then read about, you know, read about how hacking came about. And then you look at how states are just like, wait a minute, and then turn it. Like, just fascinating stuff but everyone needs to have some sort of basic understanding about this. Everyone, everyone does. That's why I put ScamWatch up there because people are getting fooled all the time. Like I got a phone call the other day from a computer voice that said, I am a home affairs border agent. You have overstayed. You need to call this number and deposit. Like if I wasn't from Tasmania, that would have been nothing. But I, I was like, you know what? This is legit. I'm calling up, giving them a thousand dollars. Luckily, Bill Gates is going to give me two thousand back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, after he gives you COVID with five G, yeah, that's right. But no, I think you know, you know it's, a, it's an important topic where it just doesn't affect those people who listen to the show because they work in the world of national security. It's everyone who goes anywhere near a computer, or uses power, or uses water. That's right. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Well, ladies and gents, our amazing. Uh, people that are on YouTube who are with us live, Lens of History, Josh, AJ and Michelle Hicks, uh, Richie, Triple T, Mick Cook, <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, yes. all of those legends. Yeah, um, Lens thanks of History, for joining us. Ricky, John Fellon's on there. John and Josh came along to our writers group the other night. It was great. Um, we hope you've enjoyed this episode on cyber warfare. If you have, then please uh, send it to a friend, um, tag us on the social media, spread it to people who you think need to, you know, have some PME in their life and should learn about something they may not have uh, looked at. Spread before. it like a Trojan virus worm. That's right. If you spread agree, like if no, you was agree creeper? If you agree with some of the stuff we wrote about, then let us know. If you disagree with anything we wrote about, especially let us know uh, because we are always up for intellectual. Yep. Uh, debates we're not good at the intellectual parts of them but we are good at the debating part yeah. of them and, and I'd um, like to add, if you do disagree with us piss off <laughs> but let us know um before you do piss off mick do you want to talk about our so she owls uh i don't but i have to um <laughs> rich <laughs> the, the problem is every time we mention our socials people jump on there and tell the world what a jerk i am so if you want to find us on facebook we're at facebook.com uh, backslash wolf it's or just type Wolf Idiots into the Facebook search. You know, no one types web addresses anymore. We all just search, right? So just type in Wolf Idiots on Facebook. Go to Facebook, type in www. That's right. Um, individual, individual Twitter pages. So Richie, you can have a great chat with, uh, with Richie at Richie underscore triple T. And you can have an argument with me at mm. Mick underscore Cook. And if you want to sit somewhere in the middle between the nice guy and the, um, 
well, me the asshole. Um, you can find uh, War for Idiots, War Numeral for Idiots. And uh, the good thing about that is it's manned by our technical staff because we've got, you can't see them. They're, they're here. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Um, but uh, the good thing about that one is that's generally just a funny account, um, hmm. which tends to be funny as well. Um, also, leave a review. Uh, on iTunes, Spotify, yeah, Podbean, Stitcher, Deezer, iHeartRadio. I was going to try and memorize them all. We're everywhere, right? Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave a review. Let us know what you think if it's four stars and above. Um, three stars we might take, but if it's one or two star, just don't listen. You don't have to leave a review. Just don't listen. Um, we've made it on a couple of websites as well. There's a, I, I Googled War for Idiots because um, I was bored. And uh, yeah, there's like an Aussie podcast website that says they're cataloging, you know, these great Australian Aussie... podcasts. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're yeah. great. Yeah, We're I think great. Sherry or Cheryl, she's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got a great website. We made it. Fantastic. Man, that is, that, that is good. Um, also, we've had a few people who have just popped up saying, thanks to the episode. I didn't oh. even know they were there. So Rebecca, uh, James and Richie TTT. That uh, that's pretty cool. Guys, a legend. Um, all right. Well, ladies and gents, until next time, this is Rich. And this is Mick. And remember that we may be idiots, but so are you. <laughs> <laughs> War for Idiot is a TDP production. All opinions expressed by individuals on the podcast are those of the individual and not necessarily representative of any other organisation. The music used during War for Idiots is Fireworks by Jazar and is used under an attribution share alike 3.0 international licence.